few weeks off. The This Is Believe podcast is back, and of course, I'm joined by Jordan Cohen as we're talking about the Browns and free agency. Welcome back, Jordan. Thank you. How's it going? I appreciate coming back on. It's going pretty good. Um, I took a little bit of a break because there was not really a whole lot to talk about Browns-wise, but free agency just started and they made some moves. They did. And, like, it's funny to me because NFL free agency is slowly becoming, like, NBA free agency where the NFL is really doing a great job, like, extending the season to be almost a year long. You get, like, three weeks off. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the the legal tamper, tampering period kind of helps with that. I mean, yeah, legal tampering period, quote marks there. Because let's be honest, they're, they're tampering the whole way. They're just pretending yes. like it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But, well, and, like, you know a guy, like... These guys don't just like switch teams out of the like an hour after the legal tampering period starts. It's mm-hmm. not like, listen, I think Kevin Stefanski's awesome. He's not that convincing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of these deals just come in so quickly. It's like, okay, you've had lengthy conversations beforehand, and now you're just pretending like, oh, we just called him at, you know, 401 or whatever the hell the time is. And they're like, oh, look, we signed this deal. Yeah, yeah. It, it was funny. You know, we didn't really know it, but he was cle- he came to his own decision, Cleveland Browns all the way. We didn't need to do any convincing. He was just like, yeah, give me the contract. Yeah, you know, what higher dollar figure, higher offer? That wasn't real. You're right. <laughs> and let's be honest, the, the validity of uh, the higher dollar figure for the player in question is questionable at best from what I've seen. But let's yeah. talk. They added some uh, some defensive help through free agency, and that's really what they needed. Uh, is everything that we watched last year and everything that we talked about last year, the one thing we said is this team needs help on defense, and they got it. Uh, John Johnson and Troy Hill are the two signings that are for more than a season, and I'm in love with both of them. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, like, talk about uh, – John Johnson is a quarterback on defense, and the Browns haven't had that in – I don't know how many years like John Johnson's going to be the guy that's calling all the plays and he's going to be the guy who covers for our linebackers when they get beat by the team's backup tight end um, just because our linebackers are so poor. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we needed that, right? Like last year that was Sandejo. And I don't know if Sandejo's even an NFL player, let alone like a starter on defense. And then Troy Hill, like, I, I mean, for, I, I watched a lot of the Rams because they were just on national TV a lot this year. Yeah. Troy Hill, like, I hadn't seen a slot corner like him all year. And, like, come time we play the Chiefs, Troy Hill is going to be on Tyreek Hill the mm-hmm. whole game. The whole game. They're just going to stick him on Tyreek Hill. You got to love that amazing. Hill versus Hill matchup right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, like, we went from Kevin Johnson, who I was somewhat excited about, but who just sucked. Mm-hmm. We went from Kevin Johnson to Troy Hill. It's, Which it's is just a massive, massive upgrade. Massive. Yeah, massive. And, like, I saw the Hill contract, and yes, it's four years, but it looks like the last two years are pretty much voidable. Yeah, um, it's a two-year deal for $10 million, or up to $10 million for the first yeah. two years, but the final two are voidable. Yep. Which just makes the deal a little bit better from the Browns' perspective. Um, right. And, you know, voidable years being the, the new hotness this year and, and NFL contract talks. Yeah, yeah, for real. Well, I think teams are starting to realize it, right? Like, the cap, all these teams that were spending, 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 then COVID hits and the cap lowers. Mm-hmm. And so that, even with the new TV deal, I think all the teams are kind of like, we don't want to end up in the situation that we're in this summer where 
like we're 50 million over the cap and can't sign anybody. So they're doing all these voidable deals, which, Hey, I'm great with. I, I think that's awesome. And if it becomes a norm, then the Browns could extend a guy like Denzel Ward or Nick Chubb mm-hmm. with voidable years at the end of the contract. That would be the only way I'd feel comfortable handing Nick Chubb a, an extension is with voidable mm-hmm. years at the end. Honestly, I really like the Aaron Jones deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if they give him that, maybe a little bit more money just because he's better. Mm-hmm. So, like, three years guaranteed and then two years that are voidable or pretty much voidable. I, I think that's that would be, like, my ideal deal because I think that's something Chubb would sign on to. Um, and then you have him for three years, and worst-case scenario, he gets hurt, which happens. He's a running back, and you can void him. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a that's a conversation for a different time and in the future. Yes, yes, of course, of course. Uh, but uh, looking at the Browns' defense, their secondary is much improved now. Uh, no more Carl Joseph, Sandejo, Kevin Johnson. Terrence Mitchell's I, I, gone, but Terrence Mitchell, I liked him. I thought he was an average to sometimes above average player, but at the end of the day, he wasn't replaceable. Right, right. And I, my view about Terrence Mitchell is that I think – he didn't really do anything poorly. Mm-hmm. Like he was pretty much just, he was there. Like he yeah. was reliable. He was there. He didn't make any big plays. He wasn't necessarily the guy that was going to slow down or lock down another receiver, but there, you were never going to be like, Oh, Terrence Mitchell sucks. And we're going to need to replace him on the boundary. We, uh, unless they're really confident, greedy can come back healthy, which I would be surprised. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> The way I've been saying and the way that I think the Browns should approach free agency um, and team building through the draft and other avenues is that they got to pretend like Greedy Williams doesn't exist and Grant Delpit doesn't exist. Exactly. Um, whatever you get out of them is a bonus only because the nature of their injuries. I mean, right. Greedy could be just one hard hit away and he'll be out for the season again. Right. And, right. And Delpit, you know, you don't know when he's going to be back to full speed. With his injury... It could be, not this season, but next season. So we're talking 2022, that he could be back to where he was supposed to be as a rookie. Right. And, like, listen, I'm glad Delpit's coming back. I like Delpit in the draft. We've never seen him play one down of pro football. Yeah. We don't know if he's good. We don't know if he's any right. good. Right. <laughs> right. Like, listen, I remember um, Gilbert, right? Uh, Justin Gilbert, yeah. when we drafted him, like, all the athletic measurables were there. Mm-hmm. He was really good in college. And then he came on the field and sucked. Yeah. And so, like, I'm not saying that's going to be Delpit, but you don't know. Yeah, I, I see a lot of people counting Delpit as a known commodity. And I'm like, uh, he's a question mark just like everybody else. Yeah, I really, like, I, I think they're going to need to draft a boundary corner or mm-hmm. at least sign somebody in free agency. And they're going to need to probably draft mid-round safety mm-hmm. just probably a guy that's like a hard hitter that you know if yes like a jordan fuller from ohio state last year mm-hmm. where if this guy has to come in he can yeah but I mean, th- their safeties are are fine now they're better yeah uh, i don't i don't think it's a position group i'm as worried about as i was last year no because there's as of now on paper there's not a glaring weakness at the safety position like there was last year. Well, I, and like, listen, worst case scenario, somebody gets hurt. Redwine is fine as a backup. I don't want to see Redwine as a starter. But like, 
I think as a spot starter backup safety, he's fine. The problem last year is we were looking at Redwine starting games. Yeah. And the other options were Sendejo and Carl Joseph. And I like Ronnie Harrison. Um, I'm not over the top in love with Ronnie Harrison. Uh, I don't know if his stay in Cleveland lasts beyond his rest of his contract. Uh, no, my he's gut the feeling is no. Safeties. He's my the Terrence Mitchell no. of safeties. So, yeah, I mean, like I, Ronnie Harrison isn't going to do one thing that's going to cost you a game. He's not going to do many that help you win them. He's Terrence Mitchell. It, it's the same kind of role, which is fine. Like mm-hmm. that's great. But yeah, I agree. Like this will be he'll ha- he'll finish his contract here and then we'll replace them. One thing I like that the Browns are doing with a lot of these guys, like I, I was like, we may be able to get comp picks for a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. What I mean, that's, that's something that the Browns have never really been in business for. <laughs> right. Uh, they've right. never really had players that when they hit the free agent market, that people are rushing out to sign them. Uh, a lot of times those guys were cut before comp picks were you know, even in the discussion, or they went to free agency and nobody signed him. Right, right. Like, I I have to imagine, even after the signings, because, a guy, like, Carl Joseph will get picked up somewhere. Sendejo will probably get picked up. Ogan Joby just got picked up. Like, I imagine a guy like Ogan, that may get us a sixth or seventh round comp pick. Yeah. Which is good. Like, again, the more picks you have, the better. Yeah. So... Moving on to some of their one-year deals that they signed. Uh, Tack McKinley, Anthony Walker, Malik Jackson. Where do you want to start there? Um, let's just go the order you did. So okay. Tack McKinley. So Tack McKinley. Uh, he's a fine addition. Um, I don't want him as a starter. I like that they're buying low on somebody with high potential. Um, but the reality is, is he's been very inconsistent he failed three physicals last year, I think. Yep. Uh, so you don't know if his body's necessarily right or if it is when it's going to be wrong again. Um, he also had some off-the-field Twitter tirades, which were not great to see. So I understand that the Browns tried to pick him up three times and tried to trade for him, and they didn't get him any of those times, but I don't mind it that he's a what it should be or projected to be a sub-package rotational defensive end edge player. But if you're counting on anything from him substantial, um, I find that to be problematic. Exactly. I, I, I don't even know if he really is a spot starter, like, or like even heavy rotational guy to be completely honest with you. Like, but I mean, they still like Porter Gustin is going to be a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, Tack McKinley is not like an amazing pass rusher. He's a great athlete. Yes. I, I, part of me wonders, was he more signed to be a backup than a rotational guy? I, like, re- is I he, really hope so. I, I, that, that is my gut. Because like he's an incredible athlete. And I think the idea would be, well, you get him in the program you let evidently Joe Woods work with him mm-hmm. and maybe you can turn him into like a backup in case miles goes out or something like that. Yeah. But like in terms of rotational guys, when I think rotational guy and like, we'll talk about him in a second, but like a Malik Jackson mm-hmm. and a Porter Gustin give you something different. Um, 
when each of them come in, I, technically just as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, um, who is the drummer? The the musician we signed that we cut last year, Dorsey drafted. Oh, man. Yeah, like somebody like him. That's how I view Tech McKinley. Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas. Thank you. Yeah, that's how I view Tech McKinley. I forgot he existed. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so did the NFL. Uh, yeah, that's that's a very uh, key point there. Uh, but I'm looking at Tech McKinley. He's they're paying him a decent amount of money. Um, when they first the contract deal was first announced, I'm like, man. Would they have been better off just keeping Adrian Claiborne than bringing in Tech McKinley? Yeah, I think so. Because that was because my first I... gut reaction. Because Claiborne, his contract is less. I expect better results out of Claiborne. We saw a decent production out of him last year in his limited role. He's a pass rush specialist. Yeah. But he's a specialist. He gives you something you don't have. Yeah. I... I... And I... My concern, too, is I don't think Claiborne's going to get more than a one-year deal anywhere. Yeah, I don't think so. Which, which, and I don't know if he's signed somewhere, but if he doesn't, that means you're not getting a comp pick for him Mm -hmm. because of the Tack McKinley deal. So, and and I haven't followed where Claiborne's going. I don't know if he's signed with the team or something. But, yeah, I, listen, all the reports are that Andrew Berry loved him coming out. Mm -hmm. Seemingly, John Dorsey did, too. And so... The whole department, like, there's a history of liking this kid. Yeah. Maybe he comes in and is great. I just, I'm not he's failed a lot of times. <laughs> I'm not counting on it. I mean, th- this isn't a, a fair comparison because the quality of player is completely different. But I remember, uh, to make an NBA comparison, I remember uh, when Joe Dumars ran the Pistons, he was in love with Allen Iverson and tried to acquire him several yep. times. Yep. And when he finally did, it was when he was on the back end of his career and it was just it wasn't a good trade for them but he just it, it's this seems like a similar they're just been in love with this player from the past and they can't yeah. let it go that's just what i feel yeah it's like they just they, they feel like they need to be the one like they need to give him a chance and to me like listen maybe i mean they know more about football than we do so maybe they are outstanding and they know like in tack mckinley comes in and it is the perfect guy opposite Miles Garrett. I, I just, I, I think he's a bench rotation guy. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm not expecting huge numbers. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong on that, but I'm not expecting huge numbers out of Tack McKinley. Yeah, and like that's fine. Like, I, again, I think you're right about Claiborne. Like, is McKinley better than Claiborne? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But I, I, you know what? I, what? I don't know. I. That one, they made a much bigger deal out of than I thought was warranted. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like he's, he's a rotational defensive end. Like, And they rushed out to sign him. Uh, you know, they yeah. could have waited a few days to sign him and probably get him in a lower number. I don't think a lot of teams are in the Tech McKinley market. Yeah. And, I mean, listen, I, I think at, at 26 my, or in the first round, mm-hmm. my gut is they take a defensive end. Um. And McKinley becomes a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. But that is the scary thing, right? They signed him right away. Yeah. So they, And they, so may, maybe they do think he's a starter. God, I hope not. I he's really not. hope not. Or if they do have him start, they have him play like 30% of snaps and have him swap out with multiple guys throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 
starter yeah, and name I, I, only, I wouldn't hate as long as he plays like a very low percent of snaps. It's like Malcolm Smith last year. Mm-hmm. Right, he started every game that he was healthy, but he, didn't he play. also didn't play a lot of snaps. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. We'll, we'll get back to him in, uh, in a little bit. But uh, someone I am a little bit higher on is Anthony Walker. Um, Me too. Because it does not appear that they're going to re-sign B.J. Goodson at this moment in time. So they're going to need someone to make a ton of tackles. Enter mm-hmm. Anthony Walker, who does nothing but make tackles. Yeah, I, I mean, I think overall B.J. Goodson's probably a better player, like holistically, because he's really good in coverage. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's not what we need as a linebacker. And so while I want them to re-sign B.J. Goodson... I think Anthony Walker gives them more of what they're looking for. He's a tackling specialist. Yeah. He's good in run defense. He's good in pass defense. And that's – he's not a coverage guy. Like, if you get him one-on-one in coverage, he's going to get beat. Yeah. But he's a guy that can help a cornerback or a safety bring a guy down. Yeah. And he's good in the run game, and that's what we needed. Yeah, maybe bump a tight end when he's going out in the route or something. Exactly. And that's what we needed, especially, like – now that Johnson's there and Johnson's going to be calling the plays, I mean, one would assume Johnson's going to be calling the plays. I hope so. I, I think that you need less of kind of that coverage specialist as a linebacker. Just give me and, some guy that's going to go and make a ton of tackles. That's really yeah, I, what I want. I mean, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Christian Kirksey. Okay. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Because, like, Christian Kirksey at his best was a tackling guy. I was going to say Dequel Jackson. Yeah, Dequel Jackson's another one. Just like one of these kind of tackling middle linebackers. He's going to just accumulate a ton of tackles. Mm-hmm. Probably not the best in coverage, but, it, I mean, let's be honest here. The Browns need someone to accumulate a ton of tackles. High-volume tacklers what this defense needs because uh, if, if we watched their run defense last year, it was bad. They need someone yeah. to go and make those tackles. Yeah, and I, I like that. And I mean, I'm not saying Anthony Walker can't make plays in coverage. Like he picked off Baker last year, mm-hmm. but I don't. It's like Kirksey, right? And or Dequell Jackson or any of these guys that he's a guy that will help if your corner, if that boundary corner gets beat, whoever the boundary corner ends up being, mm-hmm. Anthony Walker is going to be great because Anthony Walker is going to be able to help out. Yeah. Um, on play action, Anthony Walker is really good. Like he does not jump play action, and that's perfect. which is useful. Yeah. And like so, some other linebackers on the roster. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I think this is the end of Mac Wilson. I hope this is the end of Mac Wilson. Because, like, Same. I think you can make an argument for both Taki Taki, Phillips, and then I guess Smith, too. Like, mm-hmm. all three have, like, splinter skills that can be really useful depending on the situation. I don't know what Mac Wilson's good at. Hype man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like I, I, he's a cheerleader. Like, I, I don't know... I. I know. I remember the first year he got like two or three interceptions early on, and everybody was like, "This guy's it." We drafted the linebacker. I fell for and, it. Yeah, no, it was easy to fall for, and it just turned out like he kind of got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, he because he's not like he's slow. He he jumps at play action. So I think this the Walker signing also kind of shows Mac Wilson the door a little bit, yeah. especially with the resigning of Malcolm Smith. Like. You have to imagine Phillips is going to play more this year uh, mm-hmm. because he looked good when he was healthy last year. And Taki Taki really turned it on towards the end of the season, which surprised the heck out of me. So yeah. I would be surprised if Mac Wilson gets cut, to be honest with you. I mean, not to steal a quote from or a line from Zach Jackson, but Mac Wilson's tweet to tackle ratio is not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. 
it's true. It's true. I mean, uh, a lot of times when you when I hear Zach Jackson talk about Mac Wilson, he references the tweet to tackle ratio, and I always have a good laugh at it. Um, but I have a feeling his days are numbered. Uh, they might just let him play out the rest of his rookie deal without seeing the field much. I don't know, yeah. just as a depth guy, because you need depth. Yeah, especially if at that position. Yeah, because uh, I mean, the Browns have. A good collection of linebackers, I think, or at least working towards building a good collection. Yeah. But none of them are outstanding or excellent. They they have, like, one specific thing that they're maybe good at or maybe average or above average. You're not having a guy out there that you're like, this guy's playing every snap of the game because this guy's a stud. They don't have that. So, right. you know, having a depth guy in case somebody gets hurt is never a bad thing. I know that the the stupid guardrails thing says don't pay for depth, and uh, I, I I tweeted about that and like it's it's important to pay for depth, but quality depth, not redundant depth. Well, and I think what to your point about Mal Wilson's rookie deal, I, what the best teams do, like what the Patriots always did, is most of what you are drafting for is depth. You're not like mm-hmm. once you become a good team, you don't draft for starters as much. Correct. And so like a good organization. Can, like a guy like Sheldrick Redwine's a perfect example. He is not by any means a good player, but mm-hmm. he's a good depth guy. And mm-hmm. that's a guy you draft late on, you coach him up. And like last year, he was a good depth guy. Um, I, and I, I guess you're right. Mac Wilson could become that. And that's fine. And that's what a good team does, right? I think that's probably what Donovan Peoples Jones is on offense. Yeah. Like I think he probably maxes out as a depth guy, which is you need that. Um, and I think that's what the good teams do. And so I think that's what the Browns are trying to do. I, I hope so. That's what it looks like. Yeah. That's um, what it looks like. But moving on, the third name on the list here, Malik Jackson. This move got me excited. Um, I know Malik Jackson's not what he used to be. However, he is someone that can line up at every position on the defensive line. He's someone yep. that has skills that nobody else besides Miles Garrett has. And so... It, more importantly, he makes it so Tack McKinley, day one starter, might not be a thing. So that's why I'm right. kind of excited about the Malik Jackson signing. Yeah, I love it. Like, I, at some point, somebody's going to raise the uh, quotes he made about uh, Louis Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan, mm-hmm. a year ago with the with Deshaun Jackson. But, like, honestly, like, I don't care. Like, even as somebody that's Jewish, I really like it, it's whatever. I, he's a really good player, mm-hmm. and he's really to your point, he's really versatile. I think the other thing he lets the Browns do is line up in a three-four front yes. if they want to. Mm-hmm. So you could basically play Miles as an outside linebacker in three-four, which yeah. gives them a shitload more space to make a to make get pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you could basically do Richardson, uh, Jackson, and whoever the other kind of Elliot or Billings or yeah my guess is yeah probably Elliot just because Elliot's like a little bit leaner yeah um like so Elliot Richardson and Jackson and then you have Miles Garrett coming off the edge like just in open space Mm -hmm. which I I still think I know people disagree I think it it is much easier for these pass rushers in a 3-4 because they get speed Mm -hmm. They, they get momentum before before they hit the guy and I think for a guy like Miles Garrett, that is going to it, and listen, we keep getting told Joe Woods is like a defensive savant and like has all these different things he's gonna try. 
I don't think that's true, but if it is true, you have to imagine that's coming. Like that switch to three, four every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So some, yeah, I like the signing a lot. Give me some versatility. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think this is the year we see and can fairly judge Joe Woods uh, as a defensive coordinator. Cause even though there were players that didn't play cause they opted out, there were injuries and the guys that they had on that side of the football were not quality. A right. good portion of them weren't. Uh, right. Outside of like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, it was a rotating cast of who cares. Right. Um, I think we'll have a better idea of what Joe Woods wants to do. Now, if Joe Woods in his defense still does not live up to expectations after this year, that's a conversation to have. But I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic, a little bit more hopeful that this defense gets closer to average, which I think right now they're closer to average. Right yeah, now. I... I... I think they're right now there are somewhere between five to six players on this defense that would be starters on most NFL teams, right? Like I think Ward Garrett, Johnson, Troy Hill, and then I got like Richardson Walker kind of are the bubble guys. Yeah. Um, and Jackson too is another one that would start. So like five-ish guys that would definitely start and then a few bubble guys on most defenses. Mm-hmm. And last year we had two. Yeah. So that's a huge, that's a huge improvement. Yeah, it's a huge improvement. And so, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, I think the defense is getting to the point where even if Joe Woods is bad, they will still be able to put in average performances. Mm-hmm. Like, just based off talent alone. Yeah. I, Which is huge. I, that is huge because, I mean, a, a lot of the guys are just... Like I said, they're who cares in regards to who they were. You know, Sandejo, <laughs> Carl right. Joseph, uh, Kevin Johnson, who I knew was not going to work out, and we can check the tape a year ago. I said nope, that was right. not going to work. <laughs> called it. I remember you called it. So yeah, you were right. You're 100 percent right on that one. You're uh, right on Carl Joseph too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what I say is he's 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 not really that good, and he gets hurt. What happened? He was not that good, and he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, like, Carl Joseph, the problem to me is, like, he was either hurt or he was getting penalties. Yeah, which is <laughs> like, like which is not good. So it, it just didn't, like, on plays where, like, he didn't commit a, like, he where he just, like, did normal things, he was good. Mm-hmm. But that they were few and far between. Yeah, there's maybe less than five for the entire season. Yeah. And that's like, literally it, not what you want. Right. I know people, I saw somebody were like, oh, no, he was really good in pass coverage. Like, he got, like, two or three interceptions for a strong safety. And it's like, that's the function of this defense, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this defense basically says the interceptions are going to come from linebackers and safeties. Yeah, they're not going to come from corners. And right. they really didn't. <laughs> right. Right. And, I mean, that. listen, Denzel Ward, his entire, his high school and college and now pro career— does not get a lot of interceptions. That's not what he's been good at. Mm-hmm. The reason he was drafted where he was is that he doesn't get interceptions because he doesn't get thrown to. Yeah, and it's very important to I, to note that. Um, not that they're the same type or same level of player, but uh, Nandi Asamoah had the yes. exact same uh, issue. He, people just didn't throw his way. And so right. his numbers at the end of the year never look great. And so if you're just doing box score checks or... You know, we're like, why is this guy so special? It's like, watch him play. Nobody throws to him. Right, right, exactly. No, I mean, it's like in the NBA where you end up with like these like really, like a Rudy Gobert is the perfect example. And everybody's like, oh, well, look, you can't win with Rudy Gobert. 
And then you look at the numbers, and it's like, wow, like Rudy Gobert doesn't even put up great stats, but they're so much better with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because like teams can't drive, right? And it's the same in the NFL with like these. Yeah, Awesome was a great comparison. I actually think like um, just that type of corner is going to be the more like it's very difficult to draft Jalen Ramsey. I guess is my view. Like it's very difficult to draft a corner that is locked down in man coverage, but can also switch over to zone and get a ton of interceptions. Mm-hmm. The, there's one or two of those guys in the NFL at all times. Yeah. Like Stefan Gilmore is not that Stefan Gilmore is like an Asamar or I think like it, his prime, a much better version of Ward. Not mm-hmm. that I think Ward's bad. I think Ward's amazing, but like, that's, I think what the Browns wanted at the time. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. There was uh, one more addition that they made on defense, but it's not really additions, more of a keeping guy in house, and that's Malcolm Smith, who, okay, they re-signed Malcolm Smith. That's really how I feel about it. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. Rotational sub-linebacker shouldn't be a starter, or starter yep. name only plays like 30% of the snaps. Right. He'll come in every once in a while. Like he'll start and every like he'll come in and he never you never hear his name. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't like make a lot of tackles or anything, but he also doesn't get hit like beat a lot. Or he's fine. penalties. He's fine. Right. Right. He's fine. Like that's that's fine. I I have no issue with that. I saw they re signed a guy named Blake too. <laughs> yes. Um so so that's like again, like that's good depth. It's fine. I don't I am still worried about the line. I I don't know if we disagree on this. I'm still a little bit worried about the linebacker spot. I, I like. Oh, I am big yeah, time. Like, I I I think what you said earlier about we have a bunch of specialists, mm-hmm. and to me, like that you can work with that. But we're getting to the point where, like, at some point, you at least need like one all around guy. That's why I kind of wanted them to resign B.J. Goodson. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Goodson is, right? He's kind of this guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, he's not great, but I don't worry about certain things when Goodson's in there. And yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know drafting a middle linebacker 26. Like, I, I don't know enough about this draft, and you may know more. I, my concern is there won't be a guy there that is really worth that pick because those guys either go really early, like kind mm-hmm. of a Simmons last year, yeah. or they go later because they need time to develop and from what i've seen uh, a guy that would fill the role that the browns need is probably not going to be available at 26 but i know it goes against pretty much what everyone thinks this front office should do or how they should operate but um they're not long they're no longer in the business of needing to acquire a high quantity of players it's quality of players now so If I were them, I would highly consider seeing what the cost of trading up from 26 is. To see well, like, if they can get that linebacker that they really need. Because I know everyone's like, no value linebacker. I don't care. Their linebackers are nothing special. Yeah, I mean, to me, the three biggest holes on the team are defensive end opposite, opposite Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. defensive tackle. Like, I, I actually think defensive tackle is a huge hole because I like Sheldon Richardson. I, I don't love him. I like Malik Jackson. He's getting older. I like Billings. I, I don't love him. And I think Jordan Elliott basically showed us he's a specialist, which is good, great. But so defense tackle. But like to me, to me, 
if this defense wants to be a great coverage defense, which is everything we've been hearing, Mm -hmm. that they want this defense to basically force the opponent to run the ball. Yeah. Then you need a good coverage linebacker. And they really don't have one. And they don't have it. And so I don't know. Like, to me, those are the three biggest holes. Then you have things like boundary corner. But I think boundary corner is more addressable in free agency. Meanwhile, they have nine picks. They don't you need don't, nine players. You don't need nine players, right? Like, at some point, you end up cutting these guys, mm-hmm. which is a waste. So, it, I mean, if you told me they wanted seven picks, six to seven picks, I, that's fine. But that means you have two picks you can trade. Yeah. And, like... I don't think that would be a bad idea if there's a guy that they love. I, now, do I want them to just do it because they feel like they have to? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you can also use later picks to move up in, like, the second round, right? And yeah. so that's fine, too. But I just, I feel like this is, I mean, you basically have two more years of being able to really do these trade-ups and signing free agents before all the extensions kick in. Yeah. So... I feel like we're kind of getting to the point where this is probably the year you want to do it if you're going to do it. Yeah, and you know, looking at their looking at their roster, looking at their needs, if there's a year to execute multiple trade-ups throughout the draft, maybe in round 1 or round 2 or round 3, you know, to make those type of moves, this is the year to do it to try and get those immediate impact players, you know, guys that are referred to as blue chip players, trying to get them so they can make an impact now, but at the same time, they provide you with some long-term, or hopefully long-term stability at a position. And that's really what they need. Well, also, like, if you look at the success rate of first and second round defensive linemen and linebackers, mm-hmm. they are so much higher than that, of, at least in the short term, than corners. So oh, yeah. First round corners tend to have much like ultimately better outcomes, mm-hmm. but in terms of like ability to start right away, linebackers and defensive line are just much much higher. Yeah. Um. And, and so to me, it's kind of like, I, I mean, the Browns should be trying to not just make the playoffs, but be a Super Bowl contender next year. Like yes. they should. Like it, it, they they should. That's the nature of things, right? Like mm-hmm. the Bills should, the Ravens should, the Chiefs should, the yeah. Browns should. Um. And so, to me, you need starters. You mm-hmm. need a starting defensive. Yeah, I'm sorry. They need somebody next to Richardson. I, I yes. like Malik Jackson a lot as a rotational guy that may play over 50% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Malik Jackson's not a nose tackle. Like, he's not going to just eat up a big guy. Neither is Richardson. So, you're either going to play with two, three tacks to just have that whole defensive line design the pass rush, which, by the way, that's going to look a lot like it did this past year, where we just get eaten alive in the run game. Yeah. Um, or, or you draft somebody like the guy that 49ers drafted last year, uh, who, who is he's good at pass rush, but like he also is a great run stopper and he started right away. Like he was yeah. able to get in right away. And I I think you need that. I I cannot imagine if they draft a linebacker in the first round, that guy does not start right away. You would have to. Yeah. I mean, I, they have some guys that can play, but, you know. Anyone that they draft in round one or even round two, ideally, is at the top of the depth chart at the position because the, and, yeah. just the quality of guys that they have now. I mean, maybe Phillips because becomes like a you know a good player or you know a solid starter, but we don't know enough about him. Well, and like Walker's a guy too that 
I think you just put on the side opposite Denzel Ward, and you can just kind of have him there to help whoever that other boundary corner is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does not need – you don't need him to start at middle linebacker, right? Yeah. Like, he can do that, but I feel like you could also draft somebody. And, again, I get what the analytics say, and I get what everybody thinks his front office is going to do. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is a dumb guy. I don't think Andrew Barry is a dumb guy. Yeah. And I think they both know that a good middle linebacker – in coverage mm-hmm. helps your coverage. Like it, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, despite what people like to say that pretend that they have inside information or pretend that they know that the way that they're going to operate is they really don't. And I don't know either. No, I'm not going mean, to say, I'm not going to sit here and pretend they don't, they're not going to do this or they really don't value that position. That's just assumptions that people are making based off of one year. Off of one year and the one year that Andrew Berry spent in Philly. Right, right. And you know like, what I mean? I, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is a savant with the run game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, he was just as good as Kyle Shanahan last year at designing run plays. Yes, absolutely. And so you can't tell me he does not think linebackers are important. Like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Like, I, <laughs> I just, I don't believe that. You would think that someone who specializes in that particular style of offense knows that it's important to get the other linebackers on the other team blocked. Yeah. And if they have a good one, they have to focus blockers to that position. You would think that that he understands that there is a value at that position and that if another team has to commit extra blockers to block one of those guys, it's going to make it easier for your defense to do something. Right, right. Like, I... I just, I don't, I, so I, do I, does that mean I guarantee you they'll take one early? No, of course not. But like, if there's a guy there that they can get that they really like, Mm -hmm. that they think is more, like all the reports last year were that if Simmons fell to 10, they were going to take Simmons. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, okay, that's what Simmons is, right? He's Mm -hmm. kind of like this specialist linebacker safety that is really great at tackling and good in pass coverage and eventually would be kind of that middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, that tells me that Stefanski values the position. Yeah. He may value a specific skill set at the position, but he values the position. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important. Yeah. I mean, defensive tackles, the other, like I still, I also think interior pass rush, especially with short quarterbacks. Yes. Is so, so important. I mean, and we don't have that. We don't, and I, and we see the importance of interior pass rush uh, each week when our team's right. on offense. Right, because that's what Baker struggles with. Mm-hmm. Baker's everybody's like, oh no, like they'll attack him from the edge. Well, no, they Baker's really good at dealing with edge pass rush because he can move. Yeah, it, he can move and then the interior. And right, exactly. It's the interior pass rush where the edges just block him in, basically, mm-hmm. so he can't move. And then he has to see over giant guys rushing at him, and he can't do that. Yeah. So, and, and guess, like, think about all the quarter- quarterbacks are getting smaller. They are. Like, they're getting smaller and faster, which means it is so, and also, you have to face Lamar Jackson at least twice a year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what, edge, edge rush, great. That's not going to stop Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's not. You got to block him in with the edges, which mm-hmm. means you have to have interior pass rush. It also means you have to have a good middle linebacker. Right, right. <laughs> like I just, I, there are two to me those two positions more than an end opposite Garrett. And I get like, 
other we're talking possibly about Malik Jackson or Tack McKinley starting there. Yeah. And I get the problems with that. Don't don't hear me out. But I think middle linebacker and defensive tackle mm-hmm. are so much more important right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can they can find a way to deal with the, the defensive end, but defensive tackle needs to be towards the top of their list. Linebacker needs to be towards the top of their list. Then probably defensive end slash edge rusher, however you want to classify that position. Then corner for me. Yeah, the boundary corner to me. The guy opposite yeah. the board. Yeah, I agree. But I think you sign that guy. Yeah. I, I don't think you can draft that guy. You, you sign or trade for him. And yeah. from what it looks like, there are some guys available, but, I mean, that's just all speculation and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there there were a couple other signings the Browns made uh, on offense. We can run through these real quick. Uh, a guy named Blake, offensive yep. lineman. Um, Greg Sanatz, I believe yep. that's how it yeah. is. Offensive uh, lineman. Offensive line, yeah. Uh, Jojo Natson, receiver slash kick returner. I'd like to see him as a return guy next year. And there's a reason I'm going in this order because the last name on the list I'm going in is Richard Higgins. They brought him back for round four with this team. Yeah, didn't they sign up? Uh, what's his face? The other receiver, the big guy. Um, Hodge. Didn't yeah, they, I, they tendered him? him. Oh, tendered him. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I, out of the three receivers we're bringing back, assuming Hodge comes back. Mm-hmm. So Natson, I think, is so fast that I really, like, if you could teach him how to be a good returner, to mm-hmm. me, like, that's a valuable resigning. Yes. I think Hodge basically operates, if you want to go with more receivers, mm-hmm. and which means less tight ends, I think that's what Hodge is good for. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a, like, Higgins, to me, is the biggest whatever on this don't forget Higgins wasn't playing last year until OBJ got hurt yeah like that this team does not view Higgins as more than a backup yeah and like listen we've we like to talk about Higgins and like play down his skill set and abilities and contributions but like like let's take a step back here he's an average receiver and I'll admit he's an average receiver he's average he's average he's also replaceable he's not special um, the $2 million they're spending on him or whatever it is for 39 catches I think he had last year. Was it 39 yeah. or 37? It was in the high 30s. Yeah. But it's like, this isn't like some groundbreaking signing. Like, right, and you fine. and I have talked about this off air, right? In, yeah. in the sense that our, our issue with the Higgins re-signing is that like there are certain Twitter profiles, mm-hmm. um, not, not to name any names, but yes. there are certain Twitter profiles that are like, oh no, Higgins is better than Jarvis Landry. Like he's more productive, and it's like I, that to me is the issue with the Higgins re-signing. It's like because we need to hear that for another year, mm-hmm. like just like this constant like, and like again, I say this every time. I like analytics. Like I am a quant guy. Like for my job, like I, I think it's great, but people aren't using stats correctly, right? Like Mm -hmm. the reason Higgins puts up numbers like that is because he doesn't need to be in the slot because that's why you have Jarvis. Yeah. That's why you have tight ends. And if you told me if OBJ played the rest of the season, that his numbers would not have been better than Higgins, I would call you a liar. Like, I'm sorry. Like Mm -hmm. you could even see towards the end, they were starting to figure out Odell. And I think after the bye week it would have been a totally different game. Absolutely. I just, I don't buy that Higgins, he's a backup. That's all he is. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Unless OBJ or Jarvis get hurt, he's not going to play much next year. 
Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, uh, speaking of the guardrails, um, they're paying $2 million for a backup receiver, uh, a depth player. Are we paying for depth or are we not paying for depth? Right. Oh, it's hidden, no, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth at that point. Right. And no, they're, they're paying for depth. They're paying for depth. Exactly. I, I, yeah, they are. And, and I, I think that they've made this kind of clear. Like, they're, it, they're willing to pay for depth. And, and it, it further makes that stupid guardrails document irrelevant. I don't care what anyone says. That thing was dumb then, it's dumb now, it's irrelevant now. Yeah, I mean, part of me wonders, too, and this is a wonder based off my own hope, mm-hmm. if Stefanski has more control this offseason than he did last offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that they just saw what he did this year and they're giving him more trust. Because it, it, like, it feels like some of the moves we've made this offseason are not moves we would have made. Like, Last offseason, if you told me we signed a safety for three years and a cornerback for four years, I would have called you a liar. Mm-hmm. Like, that was not what this front office was doing or even trying to do. Yeah. So part of me wonders, does Stefanski have more of a say this offseason? Or if maybe just overall Deep Podesta has less of a say? And, and that's what, But that guardrails document's dumb. Yeah, like, I, it's, it's dumb. so stupid. It, people keep really bringing funny. it up. People keep mentioning the guardrails on Twitter, and I've seen articles about, oh, they're following the guardrails. I'm like, uh, did you read the guardrails? Uh, right. Because they're, they're not. They're not. They're, it's <laughs> they fine. didn't last year, and they're not this year. Well, like you and I have talked about speed, right? Speed is something like everybody's like, oh, all the best teams make speed. Like, if you look at the teams with the best offenses the past four years, they all have speed. And then you look, it's like Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. Like, yeah, okay, we get the Chiefs are fast and that they're the best offense in the NFL. Guess <laughs> what? We are not, nor will we ever be the Chiefs. Correct. And guess what even more? The way to beat the Chiefs is to be different than the Chiefs. Yes, du- duplicating the Chiefs is not going to make you better or as good as the Chiefs. I mean, this isn't a exact uh, comparison, but remember Oregon back in the day, how they were so yeah. much, they were so fast, they ran like 100 plays a game. What was the way to beat Oregon? It was to be slow, slow control the ball, and slow the game down. Yep. yep. Keep well, their and... positions, their possessions limited, and right. they're not going to score 100 points. They're going to score maybe at most 30. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, I view that ironically, like Moneyball is the perfect example of this to me, where mm-hmm. uh, Brad Pitt's character goes out. Uh, so Billy Bean yeah. tells his scouting team, like, if we try to play like the Yankees in here, the mm-hmm. Yankees are going to beat us out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I get the money thing isn't the same, but overall, I think the thinking should be the same. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that there is no way Baker will never be better than Pat Mahomes. Right. You will, Tyree Kill is a generational receiver. You're not finding Tyree Kill. No, you're not. It, Travis Kelsey is a generational tight end. Mm-hmm. I think Harrison Bryant's going to be great. Yeah. I don't think he will be that good. Absolutely you're not, not. going to find somebody that good. No. Which is, so, so you can't try to be them and then beat them. That's not how, look at the Rams two years ago when they had that giant, like, really high scoring game against the chiefs. Mm -hmm. But if you look at like how the Rams played, they slowed the, like they scored a lot, Yeah. but they, they scored a lot running the ball, short passes. And so like in a sense it was fast, but their drives took a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, look at the Patriots the year they beat them. What were the Patriots really good at that year? Making Tom Brady look good. Why did they make Tom Brady look good? Cause he didn't need to throw it 8 million times. Mm -hmm. It, It just, Look, I mean, hell, look at the Super Bowl this year. 
Tampa Bay was not a speedy offense. No, they were not. <laughs> they were not. Like, and they destroyed the Chiefs. And I get the Chiefs were injured and all that stuff. I, it, that's the point, though, right? That the way to beat the Chiefs is to play different than the Chiefs. It's to, I think, slow it down. And I think the Browns have an offense that is starting to become designed to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but then, like, looking at those guardrails, and I don't know if there's something about speed down the guardrails or not, but I know everybody that talks about the guardrails also talks about speed. Let me let me Google this uh, immaculate <laughs> document here. Uh, I, and, and, and to me, it's just like, yeah, listen, like, trust me, I get speed's important. I would like a burner receiver this year. But it's not because I want the offense to start moving super fast. It's because I want the offense to be a little bit more versatile. Okay, looking at uh, this ridiculous document. I do not. Yeah, I, I mean, don't see anything in reference to speed. Uh, the closest thing is sports science, and that's not even close. Right, right. <laughs> I, 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 but point being, everybody that talks about the guardrails document also talks about speed. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I just I, I don't find any of that compelling. So much of so much of the guardrails. I know we're on a tangent here talking about the guardrails document, but <laughs> so much of the guardrails document is an example of what not to do. I mean, yeah. one we saw a, a, the front office in Cleveland do this and fail miserably. Uh, right. They put together two of the worst drafts I have ever seen and free agent right. classes I have ever seen. Right. And they hired a coach that specialized in fast offenses. That was Hugh Jackson. Mm-hmm. So we, we've seen this document in action. And right. the results were piss poor. <laughs> and also, everybody likes to talk about the Eagles. and how like Listen, guys, the Eagles won a Super Bowl, and then they fell apart. Mm-hmm. They, that was they, the one-off team of, of this century, was the Eagles. Yeah, um, yeah. They won one Super Bowl in a game where Nick Foles played out of his mind. Mm-hmm. In a playoffs where Nick Foles played out of his mind, and then they fell apart. Like every year after that, they got substantially worse. Mm-hmm. And so they invested in edge rushers and corners and safeties. Right, right. And I get they have Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, and that that was great, and that's why they could do that. But that's mm-hmm. the point, right? Like think about it, guys. That's the point. Like they had good linebackers and good defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Their defense was outstanding. I don't think that defense as a whole gets enough credit for what they were, especially as we get farther away from that Super Bowl because that defensive unit as a whole was really good, okay? And the Browns are nowhere near there. (laughs) They're not not even close to being to that caliber of defense. No, no. And, like, I am still very worried about Miles Garrett. And I get, like, you have to just go into the season with the assumption that he's going to be back to normal. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm worried. I, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I'm worried. I, I think there's a lot we don't know about COVID. And I mean, Miles Garrett's interviews postseason were, and Miles Garrett does not strike me as a liar. Uh, and he said like, he could not breathe still. Mm-hmm. So I hope that changes because if it doesn't, that then you're really looking at trouble. And I, that is the argument for drafting the defensive end. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles defense is great. I think that guardrails document was kind of dumb. 
I still think it's funny. I'm pretty sure if you just do a quick Twitter search for guardrails, that it'll pop right up with something recent. And I'm going to do that right now. Yep. It probably tweeted by one um, Reet Myth. <laughs> uh, something from March 16th. Uh, not from him, but somebody else. And people keep talking about this. Jesus. It, I, just, I just saw one less than 24 hours ago. Absolutely yep. astounding. <laughs> yep. I, I just don't. I don't get it. Like, I don't. And what's funny to me is, like, PFF hires this guy, and he's great, like, Kevin Cole. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, an actual math guy. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Cole is, like, tweeting and being like, no, like, this, like, P- like you guys are talking about analytics incorrectly. Like, yes. defense matters. And, like, mm-hmm. if you look at his, like, wins above replacement, which I get, it's a one-size-fits-all metric. I don't love it. Yeah. But if you look at it, the Browns are significantly improved from their defense or from their free agency of signing defensive players. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is like, if the Browns are doing analytics, it probably looks more like that than it does what PFF is showing, which is what's so funny about like all these guys just like talking about like the general like guardrails and like, Oh, well analytics say you have to have a great passing game and it's like sort of, it, yeah. Yeah. Analytics say you have to have a great passing game when you have an actual elite quarterback. Right. And, right. Like, if we had Pat Mahomes and we're deciding just to throw out average receivers, you can do that. I would have a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Like, I, we don't. And I don't care. And I don't know if this, like, is really on topic at all. But, like, Baker mm-hmm. is not that. No. He has not shown anything close to that ever. He's shown that, listen, if he could be consistent, which I think is a big if, but if he could be mm-hmm. consistent, he's a good NFL quarterback. Yeah. It is like consistently at his best. He's a good NFL quarterback. That would be great. I would love that. Even at that level, he's not Pat Mahomes. No. He's not. I mean, at that level, he's probably closer to like a Ben Roethlisberger E, like towards the second half of his career type quarterback, mm-hmm. which is good. That, that gets you to the playoffs every year. Yeah. Kind of like a him or maybe like a. What Tony Romo used to be, but I think Tony yep. Romo was better. Uh, Jared Goff, when Jared Goff's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl. Like, Jared yeah. Goff was like that year, right? Where he was like, absent the Super Bowl, but the Patriots had a great game plan. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, that, I think Tony Romo, like, but but the thing about all those guys is they were consistent. Yeah. At least, like, for that year. We and, haven't seen a, a full season of consistency, and I'm still no. waiting for that. I mean... As we've as we talked over the past year, the the one thing is I've been consistent on is I want to see this over the course of a year. I want to see this happen, and when that when those certain benchmarks have happened, I've said yes, I am satisfied now. The one I'm still not satisfied with is I want a full year out of Baker Mayfield looking like the same quarterback from start to finish, and that being at at least average to above average. Right, and like. The reason I think that's so important is that the in the NFL, we're operating out of a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Like, just as a general rule, we are operating out of small sample size. And what that means is if only half the season is good, you're operating off of a very tiny sample size. Yeah. It is very, it is very, very difficult to make judgments based off that. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, what Baker may actually be, and what I think may be most likely, is a guy whose highs are really, really high. Mm-hmm. And whose lows are really, really low, and that you see both, 
over the course of a season, like no matter what, like you will just see both half the time. You'll be really, really low and half the time. You'll be really, really high. And that's the type of quarterback that will get you to the playoffs once every two to three years, Mm -hmm. but you'll never really truly be a title contender. Yeah. So comparable to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I mean, like maybe like a little bit, like not the difference is I don't think Baker's a dumb quarterback. Like no. I actually think Ryan Fitzpatrick is like he's not dumb. Ryan Fitzpatrick's yeah. very smart, but like he does he makes dumb decisions. Yes. Um. Like well, Baker but does I, too sometimes. I, I don't. Yeah, but not not to that degree. Yeah. Um. And I I think but yeah like that type of kind of level the guy I was thinking of was like do you remember Rex Grossman with the Bears? I do. Like that type of guy like where. Like, there's some good, some bad, and that's just kind of what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's going to be what you're going to get. And that's that's fine, but I don't – you can't build an offense around that, no. right? And, and you can't have a bad defense with that. Correct. Like, you just can't. And I think we're doing offense right. I actually have no issue with how we're doing offense. At all. I, I don't either. I mean, this was the type of offense that – with Baker Mayfield, they need to run. And I'm fine right. with that. Right. And to me, the concern, because here's the thing. The first few games this season, teams will have adjusted. I don't yeah. care what anybody said. So the Browns are going to need to be able to rely on the defense, at least for <laughs> the first five to six games, while they figure out how to counter the adjustments. And, and what we see very often with that type of shift is that teams can't do that. <laughs> right. And so they struggle. And... So, like, an example, and obviously the 49ers had a lot of defensive injuries this year, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the point. Like, teams figured out that offense. And while it took the – second half of the season, 49ers were much better. They adjusted, but yeah. they got just destroyed that first half because the defense was hurt, and they just couldn't rely on it. And that's what I'm worried about with the Browns. I mean, I, I do expect defenses to be more than prepared for what the Browns' offense is going to offer. Right, because I mean, not that the Browns won't adjust or evolve or add some more stuff into their game plan, but the core base part of their offense really isn't going to change all that much. I mean, I can tell you what defenses are going to do. They're going to gamble that Baker and OBJ don't have chemistry. Mm-hmm. Or that when OBJ's on the field, Baker's going to force it to him. Because all the evidence we've seen is that Baker does that. Yes. And so they're going to use the edge rushers to trap Baker in the pocket and mm-hmm. then interior pass rush and put Odell in single coverage. Yeah. Because they and don't trust Baker to make the throw. Yep. Exactly. And that's what they're going to do. And that's going. Are, will the Browns still be able to run? Well, yeah, because they have Nick Chubb and a great offensive line. Like, mm-hmm. it, there's only so much a defense can do to slow that down. But if you can't throw, you're not going to win. Yeah. And, and that's what defenses are going to do, right? That's what the Chiefs did. And, like, to be fair, after halftime, the Browns adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, really going into halftime of that game, they adjusted. But, like, that was against a Chiefs defense that wasn't that good. No, they were not good. And so, I mean, we're going to, like, the Ravens are going to have a good defense. They always have a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of teams we're playing that are going to have good, like, Green Bay has mm-hmm. a, was going to have a really good defense. Um I think Detroit, like, I don't know much about what they're going to look like, but this new coach just seems like a guy that's going to have a good defense. Yeah, uh, he seems to be quite uh, the character. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Dan Campbell is, uh, he's a, he's a big defensive guy. He'll, he'll get the most out of his defense, uh, even with maybe some lower quality, below average players. And so like, while I'm really happy and I agree with you, I think we've made a lot of progress on the defense. Mm -hmm. I also agree that I think we need to draft like good defensive players, especially linebacker and defensive tackle for that reason. Yes. We have got to be able to win low-scoring games, at least early on in the season. Yeah. Because there's going to be games where their offense just doesn't click. and they're going to Look at the to... Browns' wins last year. Look at the Browns' wins last year. We won high-scoring games. Yep. That's what we won. And I, I know there's a few in the middle there, but like generally speaking, when we weren't playing the Jaguars, we were winning high-scoring games. And we need a defense because we're not going to have that. No, we're not. Looking at, let's see, looking at their season from last year, there's one game where they scored more than 20 points that they lost. Right. But... Losses, Here's why. 38 right? to 6, but... 38 to 7, 16 to 6. Right. 47 42 against Baltimore, 23 right. 16. Right. So Baltimore is like the one, and that's fine. The, because Baltimore is going to be the style team that could do that against us because mm-hmm. the reason we win high scoring games is we score a lot and then we hold the ball. We just sit yeah. on it. And, and that's great. That is a way to win in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Baltimore is going to be able to do that too, which is fine. But we can't win those scoring games. We have not demonstrated the ability to consistently win games where we are not scoring more than three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, those those two weather-impacted games against Vegas and Houston, they scored 16 points total and gave up 23. Right. I mean, I, I just... Look, and... It, I know everybody's going to say, oh, well, they were bad weather, so we can't count those. Well, like, guess what, guys? Like, those bad weather games, it's going to happen. And early on in the season, teams are going to make Baker get the ball to the open receiver mm-hmm. under pressure. That is what they're going to do. Absolutely. And if Baker can't do that, which like, this isn't an issue with Baker, this is even Mahomes, like, after they had that first amazing year, mm-hmm. the year they won the Super Bowl, they started somewhat slowly because teams adjusted. Yeah. And, and but the Chiefs were able to win low-scoring games. And if the Browns can't do that, and I think because of the defense, that's my concern, mm-hmm. they're going to be in trouble, at least to start. And could they rebound like they did this past year? Of course. But it, you just don't want to be in that position, right? You don't want to have to go into Week 17 having to win the game mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. It's, it's, so, never, it's never optimal. Right. Uh, I, I would still like to see a couple more signings, even if they are of the depth variety for the Browns, but the draft should be nothing but defense. Um, yeah. Maybe draft the linemen later. Yeah. Maybe... Although, don't forget, like, Nick Harris is a sub, was pretty good last year. Yeah. And that's what he is. Like, he's depth guy. And I think uh, Hubbard's going to be back. Like, I don't think they need to draft an offense. They will because it's Stefanski. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to draft an offensive lineman. They don't need to. It's just it's something you know. There's going to be a come up. There's going to come a point in the draft where 
you know, the best available players uh, by far right. as a lineman. It's just like, okay, yeah, let's just take a guard it. or a tackle or something. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and you know what I also think? So the one offensive position I wouldn't be surprised, and by this I mean I really hope, and I know you do too, mm-hmm. if they draft, is a tight end. Because that means no more David Njoku. Yeah. Uh, he's the other player that it gets very exhausting to discuss uh, about on the internet. Because it, much like Rashard Higgins, David Njoku is an average player. Right. And people are really putting a whole lot of stock into how he played towards the end of the year and completely ignoring like the previous 14 weeks. Well, and also, so like two points here. One, unlike, unlike Rashard Higgins... Najoku doesn't even have good numbers. Like, like <laughs> I, I, so that's one. Two, yeah, Kevin Stefanski got Dave Najoku to look like an average tight end. And that's what he was. I mean, people yeah. are still in love with his physical skills and all this, but listen, they're paying $6 million for a guy that has 24 catches and 250 yards over the past two seasons. Right. Granted, he only appeared in four games in 2019, but... The point still stands. He wasn't hurt though in 2019, right? Like he that wasn't he, playing. He, he wasn't good. He broke his hand. Oh, oh, you're right. He was hurt. Never mind. He yes, was hurt. Still, then he did come back. Then he didn't play. Right, and so I, I just like you can't tell me when you watch Harrison Bryant just find space that Harrison Bryant isn't a better tight end than David Joku because he is. He is. He is. He's he better. He's a better blocker and he's better receiver. And do I think Hooper is probably overpaid? Yeah. He do is. I think Hooper is better than Joku? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, Joku's the third best tight end on the roster who's overpaid. So, I think if they can find a tight end that they think in an emergency can kind of play like that kind of like second tight end as receiver option role, mm-hmm. they will take him. They will trade Njoku for whatever they can get. Absolutely. I mean, the, the biggest problem when discussing Njoku besides... The fact that the fan base and certain writers, analysts, whatever you want to refer to them as, like to overrate them, is too many people find themselves falling for sunk cost fallacy. Yep. Like, we spent a first round pick on them, they spent all this time, they paid them all this money, they're about to pay them all bunch of money, we gotta keep them. At some point yeah. in time, you just have to realize what the player is, what he's going to be, and decide whether or not you want to continue... Or just cut your losses and move on. I mean, let's be honest. He's an average player. He's an average player. He's asked for a trade two years in a row. He obviously, whatever he wants to say, doesn't want to be here. There's a reason he tweeted out um, as as soon as noon hit, like that little party gift, because he just got guaranteed $6 million. Yeah, I was surprised at that. Like, I don't know what the politics, like if they could have cut him or anything. I'm not great with NFL salary cap, but like... I was surprised. I just, he's not, in a lot of ways, he's the anti-Higgins, right? Like, he's, they're similar in the sense that Browns fans love to overrate them. But, like, Njoku has, like, a lot of physical gifts Mm -hmm. and just, like, is terrible production-wise. Whereas Higgins has, like, no physical gifts, like, compared to most NFL receivers, but produces a lot because he's playing with really good players. Yeah, that's Um, that's the thing people seem to, to not realize, and I've pointed it out previously, there was a game where Higgins caught a wide-open touchdown, and the Broncos like, how'd they not find Higgins? I'm like, because they're more worried about Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper. Harrison Bryant. Exactly. There, Harrison a... Bryant was getting like heavily covered towards the end of the season. Yeah, so I pulled up uh, Njoku's salary 
that $6 million is now a $6 million dead cap hit. So they could have cut him and paid him nothing. And it wouldn't have cost Damn. against the cap. Now it's a $6 million dead cap hit. Uh, they could have yeah. cut him or traded him. But now they're on the hook. And unfortunately, I think this is going to result in him being on the team the rest of this year. I hope this is his last year here. I wish him the best as a football player and as a person. But looking at him and how this team's built, I just I don't see a fit. That and, feels like an Andrew Barry thing. I, I feel like him sticking around was an Andrew Barry thing. It was. And I think it was. And Because, like, you can't tell me Stefanski doesn't have the confidence in himself to coach up a tight end to be like that. Because, like, he does, and he should. He's done it for, like, a decade. Kevin Stefanski is at the tight end whisperer, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, you can't tell me Kevin Stefanski was like, no, Andrew, we got to keep David. And people are talking about his, uh, his the end of his year. Three catches for 45 yards, catch for 22, four for 26, two for 13. Where is this spectacular uh, breakout? Uh, the one catch for seven against Pittsburgh or the four yeah. for 59 against the Chiefs when they were already losing and were already, <laughs> you know. Also against a terrible defense. Exactly. The it's, Chiefs were awful. In the year. four for 26, his high receptions for the season was against the Jets when they right. didn't have any like, other receivers. Right. Three for 45 I, I, was against Baltimore. I just, I think he is so replaceable. I think he, I think he'll be, make, he's going to be a problem this year is my, is my bet mm-hmm. because I think he's not going to get a lot of playing time. He shouldn't. And, no. I, and I, what I will say also about Stefanski, Stefanski doesn't just play people to play people. Mm-hmm. Like don't forget again, Higgins did not play the first half of the season. Did not play. And Najoku didn't really see the field too too much. So, no, he I, didn't. I, I mean, you have to assume that Odell is going to still get the majority of the snaps, right? It seems like they've really figured out the Chubb Hunt dynamic, which means Hunt's going to be in the game a lot. Yanovich was really good to end. Like, talk about a guy that was actually good to end the season. Mm-hmm. Yanovich was great. Uh, Harrison Bryant is going to improve, so he's going to see more snaps. I, I think Austin Hooper is better than Njoku. So, like, I, I don't know where these snaps are coming from. I don't either. And, and to to backtrack just for a second uh, about the, uh, you know, the document to end all documents, the guardrails. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't pay for depth. You're paying $6 million to David Njoku, who's your yeah. third string tight end. So, yeah. again, talking both out of both sides of their mouth. But I don't know where these snaps are going to come from either. I mean, because playing just one of Beckham or Landry is just offensive malpractice. They both need to be on the field at the same time. Yeah, uh, and if you want, each other. if you want two tight ends or one tight end, it's not going to be a Joku. It's going to be Hooper and Bryant, or just Hooper. So you yeah. could have some combination of Chubb, Hunt, and Yanovich in the backfield. Right, right. I mean, the Browns I think ran like the fifth most amount of snaps out of twelve mm-hmm. personnel. And my gut is they ran the most snaps out of 21. I don't know that for a fact, but that, that would be my gut. Maybe them and the 49ers. It'd be towards um, the top is my guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just, I, I don't like, I get why Njoku played towards the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- that, that was, was he great? No, but it made sense to me why he was seeing the field. 
I don't believe that Najoku was making these plays because he's a Najoku. I think he was making them because of the system, the scheme. And, and granted, he did make one impressive catch. One impressive catch. Yeah. Guess what? He's an NFL player. It, that's the expectation. It's right. It's like, the reality. I'm sorry. Like, he's an NFL player. All If you are playing snaps in the NFL, you're expected every once in a while to make a really good play. And he made one really good play. Yeah. He did his job as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, so, listen, I actually, I really like free agency so far. I, I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. I think everything in terms of, like, players we drafted last year, everything looks good. So I'm not, like, saying I hate Andrew Barry or anything. What I will say is I have a lot less faith in Andrew Barry than I do Kevin Stefanski. Um, and that, I, part of that is just because, like, I think we have a much bigger sample size on Stefanski now. Um, mm-hmm. We saw him all season. And I will say, like, just like I think leadership on the Jarvis Landry end is really important, mm-hmm. I think, like, what Stefanski did when he won Coach of the Year and was like, it's all on his, like, he's like, I don't know why I got this because my players are the ones that deserve it. My staff's the one that deserve it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when they were doing interviews with him and he said, like, no, he's the reason they lost against the Chiefs. Like, I think that is phenomenal leadership. Mm-hmm. And, it is. And, and we have seen that all season long from him. Like what, like you can say a lot of things about him. Like he wasn't always great at adjusting. Like he probably did not do his best in the chiefs game. You can say all that. I believe it. Mm-hmm. You can never say Stefanski deflected blame. He did. He and did. Like that's, he a, took that's every... a nice, nice change in Cleveland. Yeah. From some I mean, of the Baker other was playing awful. Baker was playing horrible and it wasn't Stefanski's fault. Like no. Baker was playing horrible. And every press conference, they would ask Stefanski about why Baker played horrible. And every press conference, Stefanski had the opportunity to say, you know, like Baker just is not seeing the open receivers or he's rushing the play or he's running out of the pot. He could have said all of that. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's my fault. I need to do a better job. And so to me, like, I have confidence that the locker room will respect him in, in a sense where I don't necessarily have confidence that Andrew Barry's going to be. And like the Najoku thing is the example, mm-hmm. right? And you called this last year. The, the, and it's like Tack McKinley now, too. Like, do I think, like, these players are fine? Yeah. But, like, it just seems like they're made because Andrew Barry liked these guys at some point. Yeah. I, I, I see that definitely happening. Um, I, I hope that uh, Stefanski has a better or at least more uh, vocal and crucial role in the team building process. Not that he didn't before, but... I think it's going to be, uh, I hope, at least a little bit different. Uh, the less input from guys like Barry and Deep Podesta, the happier I'll be, because I am not big fans of either. Uh, well, I also, think Barry's done my... some good moves, but I don't like Deep Podesta. Never have, yeah. never will. Yeah. Well, and like, here's my other thing. I, especially in a sport where scheme is so important, like, I think Stefanski should have 100% control of offensive personnel. Mm hmm. Like, I, I, and, and that's, I mean, I think Stefanski's great, so that helps. But that's not necessarily, like, specific to Stefanski. It, like, if you have a coach, like, in the NFL where scheme is so important, that coach is an offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. That guy should have control over offensive personnel. Just like with, like, the Chargers who hired Staley to be their defense, or the Rams defense coordinator to be their head coach. Mm-hmm. Staley should have 100% say of defensive personnel. Absolutely. Like, that's my view. Because... Staley's going to run his scheme and he's going to need his guys. 
just like Stefanski is running like Harrison Bryant. We have like now know Harrison Bryant was a Stefanski pick. Like that was Stefanski. It was. And, 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 and like, we know that like Stefanski loved this guy going in. They didn't think he was going to be available. He was available. So they took him. But that was like, I, in the NFL in general, I, I find it so bizarre that we empower like these guys to manage rosters that aren't the coach. And it's like, it, to me, that doesn't make sense. It's like in soccer, it's the same thing. Like, I think the manager in soccer should have full control over the squad. Just like I think in football, the head coach should have whatever side of the ball they specialize in should have full control. Now, if you want to tell me a guy like um, Harbaugh, right, who isn't really like a scheme guy, he's more of a man manager. If you want to say like the Ravens should have a guy controlling the roster, I'm more okay with that. Yeah. Um, But like, I just, I trust Stefanski's analysis of players more than I do Barry's. Same. And I think Barry should be a guy that may have input, right? And like, Barry seems like a contract specialist, so let him do that. Yeah, that's that's fine with me. And the the less input from Mister Moneyball himself, Deep Podesta, the better. In my I, opinion, I don't think. I, I to be honest, I don't think he has much. Like, I'm sorry, I saw that offense last year. You can't tell me Deep Podesta was happy with that offense. I'm, probably not. Because yeah. like we won by running the ball. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Uh... Isn't that opposite of uh, what all those guardrails and heavy analytic, yeah, I mean, like, analytic it, people think? Yeah, and like I, like I get the argument in analytics because it's correct. Play action is like the most effective play in football. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I, and I know like one guy did like a correlation on this and was like, oh, well, like if you look at the correlation, running plays don't have any impact on play action. Well, like. Take this from a guy that, again, does stats for a living, that does a lot more than correlation. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, an article where I do, like, a serious, like, marginal effects thing. Running plays do have an impact on play action. The more, you, the more you run effectively, the better your play action is. Yeah, because if you're running play action, not running the ball, they're not going to fall for play action because, like, oh, it's a pass. I'm not going to worry about the run. And, like, it's, I get, so scheme matters here, right? And yes. gap scheme, I think, or not think, like, my thing, and I can post this on Twitter, like, when you do the podcast, but, like, what I found, like, gap scheme, running does matter a little bit less with play action, mm-hmm. but also play action is a little bit less effective. Yes. Zone scheme, like the outside zone, you have to run the ball because mm-hmm. the whole idea is that the pass and run plays look identical. And that's why play action is effective. So, you can't tell me the Browns ran the ball 30 times, 40, like some games, sometimes mm-hmm. more, were winning because, like, were winning because of their pass game. You can't tell me that. Like, I don't believe that. <laughs> did it, did it complement things? Sure. But they weren't worried about Baker carving them up for 500 yards and seven touchdowns. It was... We don't want Nick Chubb to just run off, you know, 100-yard runs every single time. Well, and you saw it towards the end of the year. Teams were putting six, seven, eight guys in the box on every play. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't because of Baker. Like no. They weren't worried about Baker's running threat. No, because he really didn't run. <laughs> right. They were worried about Nick Chubb. And that opened things up in the pass game. Like, it, this isn't rocket science. Like, it's not. Like, you don't put eight guys in the box if you're not worried about the run game. Yeah. You don't. And I'm sorry, NFL coaches aren't stupid. The, are there some better than others? Yeah. 
I think Mike Tomlin is a really good coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a good coach, right? I think Andy Reid is a genius coach. I think um, Harbaugh is a really good coach, and Harbaugh has really great assistants. And all these guys were doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Eight guys in the box because they knew. And listen, Chubb still would get 100 yards because yes. it's Nick Chubb. But, but you can't tell me these guys are dumb. They knew what they were doing because if they put five guys in the box, Chubb would have gone for 400. Mm-hmm. It, that's what the play action is. You get them to throw a lot of guys in the box, and then you can throw the ball. And, yeah, teams adjusted, and so sometimes it looked like we were running more play action with less run plays, and it was just as effective. But that's because they had a season's worth of data, mm-hmm. right? So they, they didn't start with five guys. They started with eight guys in the box. Yeah. And it's, it's important to always to pay attention to the adjustments and the way that certain teams attack you know, the opposing offense. And it was pretty, pretty visible that they were worried about Nick Chubb. It was Nick Chubb. Right. And and like, I actually think when Nick Chubb came back, Kareem Hunt became a little bit of a threat too, just because like we used Kareem Hunt when you needed short burst yards, Mm -hmm. right? Like Chubb's thing really is Chubb likes to have a second or two to read the field. Not Mm -hmm. even that much, like really basically one second at most to read the field. And then he goes. Yeah. Kareem Hunt doesn't read the field. Kareem Hunt just goes. He just slams into wherever he's supposed right. to go. And that's Wait, fine. Which, yeah, especially like when you have a healthy Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt, I don't think, can be your 1A running back. No, but he's definitely he, a B. Yeah, but he's a great 1B. He may be the best 1B in the NFL. Yeah. Especially now that Mark Ingram isn't like doing that anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, I, I Nick Chubb opens up so much. And the, to me, like... I agree with you, what you said earlier, like to loop it all back to the start. Like with Nick Chubb, we, you want to make sure you have a contract with voidable years. It's not because we think Nick Chubb's not valuable. Like I think he's probably the most valuable player on the entire team. Mm-hmm. It's because of the nature of the running back position. And yes. I mean, um, we saw the way the Rams bit the ball with Todd Curley. Yep. Yep. And, you know, there are other large contracts that are going to come up soon. We're going to see how they all play out. And the thing I've always said, and going back a year now, is the difference between someone like Nick Chubb for me is compared to someone like Christian McCaffrey or even Zeke Elliott is that those guys are more uh, involved in the passing game than Nick Chubb. Now, yeah, Nick Chubb can't year, be. To, to end the year, he was. But he was. I agree with you. Like, it ended, like, I think Nick Chubb to end the year, that is the type of pass catching running back he can be mm-hmm. where he's a little bit more than a check down um like almost like an ezekiel elliott type yeah um but, but right i like christian mccaffrey's a receiver and running back mm-hmm. i agree he I, I think nick chubb's the best runner in the nfl i don't think he's as good of a player overall as christian mccaffrey i agree at least before mccaffrey's injury i don't know what he'll look like when he comes back but yeah. I, I do like again nick chubb is the most valuable player on the team you just, you can't, it, because it takes one in, injury. And, like, I know Nick Chubb is a robot. So, like, could Nick Chubb withstand one injury? Yeah, maybe. He did this year. But, like, if you told me he, like, tears his ACL or, or his Achilles, do I think he's going to come back the same guy? No, he's not. I, I guarantee you he's not. And so you need to have voidable years. But, like, if you want to make him the highest paid running back in the NFL for the next three years, I don't really care. That's fine. Just make sure the last two years are voidable. 
Yeah, it's just, I just I want flexibility because of the vulnerability at the position. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, tell Nick Chubb, like, we will, on a year-by-year basis, make you the highest-paid running back in the NFL. What we want in exchange is two voidable years. Yeah. Uh, and if you're just as good as you are now, you'll still get that money. And I think that's the way they need to approach that contract conversation. If it doesn't, if he doesn't go for it, say, okay, fine, we're just going to tag we'll you. franchise the tag year. you for the next, yeah, we'll just franchise tag you and we'll have you for the next two years anyways with without making that money. I mean, that's the Browns' leverage, right? Yeah. Like. That's their leverage. What are you going to do, Nick Chubb? Not play? Because if you don't play and you're a running back, guess what? You're screwed. Yeah, you saw what happened to Le'Veon Bell, and you're right. not the pass catcher Le'Veon Bell was. Right, right. And, I mean, Le'Veon Bell went to the Chiefs and became a receiver. Mm-hmm. Basically. I mean, it, it, he was a running back, but he was a running back like Debo Samuel's running back for the 49ers. Yeah. Like, he was a receiver. So, I... I yeah, I mean, I think the Browns have leverage there, and I think they can make a deal that makes Chubb happy, but also gives them a ton of flexibility to extend Baker and Ward. And I don't even think they should extend Baker this year. They shouldn't. Um, I, I don't think they should. I think they should probably extend Ward if they can get him on a good deal, um, yeah. which I think the Browns have just so much leverage over Denzel Ward. It's insane. They, like, they really do. Denzel Ward's a, the between the two, he's the guy I would engage extension talks just because of what the price for his fifth year option is going to be it's going to be 13 million yeah uh baker on the other hand you pick up the option and wait and make him prove to you he's worth an extension because i don't think he is at this point i mean again i think with baker like the way you make sure baker doesn't throw a fit about the whole thing Mm -hmm. is you pick up the option and then you tell baker listen man if we come to a contract now you're going to get paid a lot less than if you do what you did towards the end of last season over the next full season. Mm-hmm. Because in that, in that case, we're going to have to make you one of the three to five most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL. Like we're not going to have a choice because yeah. that's going to be your market value. And I think that's what you tell them. Mm-hmm. And I think like if you're Baker, that's a good deal. I think the fifth year option is the best deal for all parties. For Baker. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's the best deal for Baker. I think it's the best deal for the Browns. Like mm-hmm. I, I think extending him is not the best deal Uh, the only way and there's no way they could know this but the only way if they could see the future Mm -hmm. and they knew baker was going to be closer to what he was to end last year but not that good that is the only time where i think it behooves the browns to extend him now yeah and i mean and i we got into a, a Twitter conversation with someone earlier, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I said if they could rediscover the middle-tier quarterback market and sign into an extension like that, I'd Great. be for it. But yeah. that, that market doesn't exist anymore. That's so why I said rediscover. Just It's gone. And if you're Baker, you're not doing that. No. <laughs> right? Like, you're not. Like, ba- again, Baker's not a dumb guy. And Baker's also very, very confident in himself. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Baker, like, if I was Baker Mayfield, even without Baker's confidence, like, I'd be like, I'm not signing a mid-tier quarterback market extension. Like, I'm just going to stay on the option. Mm-hmm. I'll prove you guys wrong this year. And then you're going to have to pay me like a top quarterback. Yeah. And, and does that suck for the Browns? Maybe, but like, not if Baker's that good. Yeah, the, the, the trade-off is if he turns out to be what some people think he is, which I don't. But if he turns out to be that good and you have to pay him a lot of money, the good news is... You have a top quarterback. You have an elite right. guy. You have a guy that right. doesn't need elite skill position players to be successful. Right, right, exactly. And I, the, again, the, what the Browns did well is they have the ability 
to extend all of those guys, Chubb, Ward, and Baker, it will mean probably one of OBJ and Landry have to go or Treader and uh, probably Treader and Conklin or Treader and Teller mm-hmm. have to go or, or Treader and Batonio actually. But yeah. like if you have a top quarterback, it's probably worth it. And if you can get Nick Chubb with those two voidable years at the end, mm-hmm. even like, even if you have to suck it up for one year and you cut them after two that like, if that's what you decide to do, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like they're in a good position to do that, which is why they don't need to resign them this year. Mm-hmm. They can like just that. sit and wait. And I think that's, that's should be their process sit, right. wait, evaluate over the course of a season. Right, and then you have two years with Baker in this offense, right? And then you know. And you can find out, okay, was that second half, again, for real? Or was it another mirage? Because we've seen the mirage before. Right, and and I mean, again, I think the most likely world is it wasn't a mirage insofar as he can be that good. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll show that next year in a few games, but he'll also show bad Baker in a few games. And it'll Mm -hmm. probably be 50-50. And so, so that's what he is, right? He's an inconsistent quarterback. And then you, if you are the Browns, should not be signing him to an extension. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, but and and you should know that, right? Like, and that's fine. Like, it's fine. That's totally. There will be a team next year that has a few injuries that ends up doing much worse than the record that will be picking when a quarterback's available, mm-hmm. and they're going to be a team that wants to win now. And you can just send them Baker for whatever you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what that, that team would rather draft another skill position player or a defensive player and just plug in the quarterback. And, and again, like that's fine, but that's why you don't sign him into the extension this summer. Mm-hmm.